all right, you got 15 minutes, you know, and it's all right, go. You know, and, you know, you're like, oh, man. So you start working, and you're going through the assignment, and you're plodding along, you know, watching the clock, you know, just feeling that, that pressure of trying to get something done in time. You know, you're kind of just focusing on your work. I don't know about you, but there's always that one kid in the class. There's always one um, who would say just loud enough for everyone to hear, man, this is easy. Man, look, I'm going to finish this in five minutes. And they're just, you know the kid I'm talking about? You know, it could be boy or girl, but there's always at least one. They had to let everyone know how smart he or she was. They were first to finish the assignment, and again, letting everyone know that they were done and how easy this assignment was, and why aren't you done yet? You know, it's kind of the implication there. Um, how many of you had a kid like that in your class? Remember that? How many of you will confess that you were that kid in the class? All right. <laughs> we had one, one honest person. <laughs> And that sounds, like, that sounds like something Jane would be. She'd be kind of, kind of, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing Jane. She's the least likely. That's why I picked her. <clears throat> now, here's the thing. Well, nothing was ever said directly to me. I mean, they weren't like turning to me and looking directly at me or talking. But the comments they made while this was going on, it was as if they were saying to me, hey, this is easy. You should get this. Hurry up. I mean, why is this taking you so long you know, you should know this stuff. And it left me feeling kind of, well, funny, but it was, it was just an interesting dynamic. Well, here's the thing. While talking to his disciples about one of his parables, Jesus showed a similar attitude towards his disciples. He's growing a little impatient with them. Um, now, if you, if you recall, we're in this series on parables, and uh, we've had a, a couple weeks already. And, and a parable is just a short, fictitious story to, that is intended to bring out a deeper meaning. And, there, and, and Jesus used them all the time. He told parables, primarily as a means of trying to help people understand the kingdom of God. He'd often, his parables would often start, the kingdom of God is like, and he would make this parable, tell a story, and at the end of it, you go, oh, okay, now I get it. So it was a story about real life that conveyed a deeper spiritual meaning and truth. And the reason he did this was because, one, was because um, the idea of the kingdom of God was a new concept. They had never heard it before. And because it was so contrary to popular culture. You know, in that time, and very similar to ours, it was all about me and about status and acquiring things and prestige. And, and Jesus said, no, 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 no. The kingdom of God is different than that. It's like this. Oh, okay. It was the way he would use the parables. Um, and he spoke in parables not necessary to be clear all the time. He actually used parables to test his listeners. Because he frequently ended them, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Basically saying, hey, you get what I'm saying? You get, you're, I'm, I'm making a point here. Not, the story is the story, but there's something else. You get it? Are you understanding it? And uh, various people in the, in the crowd or people listening to him, some would get it, some wouldn't. And, and there were some interesting conversations about that. Well, the parable we're looking at today is known as the parable of the, so- the sower. Um, and it's found in actually all three of the synoptic gospels. The synoptic means they're similar. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John, although gospel, is very different. 
in its writing and its intent, and so it has a different feel. But in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this parable is in there. Um, now, it's important to realize that immediately prior to the parable, and we're going to read it here in a second, but just prior to this, really in the same day, so maybe that morning, um, Jesus, uh, he's accused of breaking the law. Uh, by the religious leaders because he and some of his apostles, his followers, were walking through a grain field and they picked some of the kernels and ate them. Now, here's the thing that's, that's really interesting. They weren't accused of stealing. It wasn't theft. The accusation was that they violated the law because they were working on the Sabbath. Even harvesting grain, even taking something to eat, if it required certain actions, was considered work, and work was against the law the law of Moses. You weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath. So that happened in the morning. Um, you know, and so and it says that Jesus then went from there into the synagogue and he heals a man whose hand was withered. And again, you would think there'd be, wow, that's amazing and great celebrations. And the Bible tells us though that um, the Pharisees, in response to Jesus doing this, the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Interesting. I'm going to heal a withered hand. They want to kill me. Interesting dynamic there. And then it says he went from there uh, to another place, and it said they brought him where he healed a blind man who was demon, a man who was demon possessed. The demon possession caused him to be blind and mute. He couldn't see. He couldn't talk. And Jesus healed him. In response to this, the religious leaders accused Jesus of being demon possessed himself. That only a demon could cast out demons. And so that was his morning. Not necessarily a good one. Um, he's dealing with people, you know, the specific of the religious leaders for whom feeding, or the, the law, the law itself, following the law of Moses and doing what was right in their minds, what they thought was right before God, that was more important than feeding the hungry. That was more important than regaining the use of their hand. Following the law was more important than someone gaining their sight and ability um, the, uh, the ability to talk. And so that was the environment in which Jesus was operating that day. So on the same day, literally just a short time later, Jesus tells his followers this parable. And it's found in Matthew chapter 13. <clears throat> so if you have your um, devices, follow along, or it'll be up here on the screen as well. So that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a, fa- a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now we jump down to verse 18. There's some other things happening in between this. Verse, Verse 18, we pick this up. Jesus is now meeting with his, just his, his disciples, just a small group. So what was said initially, originally in a larger group context is now he's talking, explaining in a smaller group. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. 
When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who fears the word and at once received it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He, pro- he produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, and I thank you, God, for this parable, uh, one that just has so much imagery in it and, and conveys a number of different ideas for us uh, to be looking at our own lives and assessing where we're at. So God, I ask in the next few moments to... Uh, help me to say what needs to be said, and I pray, Lord, that your spirit would speak to each of us, that we would hear what we need to hear as well. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, now, most of you know that the sermon outline, if you have your worship guide, there's a sermon outline there. The sermon outline itself is the same on all three campuses. Um, we work on these uh, together. Um, usually there's a team of us that work on these. Uh, you know, Kate's a part of it. You know, so the two, both of us are represented for Statesville, and there's different uh, people represented. And um, it, we're about six to eight weeks out. So on Tuesday, we're, gonna, we're actually starting the Christmas series. We're going to start looking at those this week. So we're, we're a few, couple months out as we're making our plans. Now, uh, for me, usually the outline sits from that point on until usually the week, maybe a little longer before I actually were given. So there's a good, the, the outline once it's created sits for a while. Um, now, so I pulled this one out earlier this week, and I'm, as I'm starting to work through it and think through it. Um, for the first time that I can remember since I've been here, I've come to the conclusion that when it comes to one of our points, I think we were wrong. I think we missed it. Um, now, in your worship guide, it actually says Jesus' first parable, which uh, in, in order of just the sequence of which it's getting, which is given, this is the first one that's identified clearly as a parable. Um, so it is, in that regard, it is the first parable. The seed in the sword is revealed in the Gospel of Mark as having great significance. Jesus explains that understanding this parable is foundational to understanding all the others. Now, this statement that was just made that it was foundational to understanding all the parables is based on the parallel account of this in the, in the Gospel of Mark. Um, where um, just before Jesus, dis, uh, um, with his disciples, sorry, here's what this means. Before he says that in Mark, he actually says, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Now, the idea is that one needs to first understand this parable before they understand other parables, like it holds the key to unlocking understanding in the other ones. Um, kind of like geometry. Some of you who ever had geometry, you know, you have a theorem early on and that builds on the others. And from that, you can understand it just kind of builds from there. And unless you have the early stuff down, the later stuff, you're just not going to be able to do. Um, the more I studied this passage, however, the more I came to actually see this differently. I don't, th- I don't, I think Jesus asked these questions not because this parable holds the key to understanding others. I think this is a standalone, I think some of the others are standalone parables. 
I think he asked them these questions. Don't you understand? How then will you understand any parable? I think he asked them because he's getting frustrated with his disciples. I think Jesus is actually saying, guys, come on. This is parable interpretation 101. This is simple. You should know this. Wait until I get to the hard stuff later. Was probably what he was thinking. Now, that being said, I do think this parable is important for us today. And let me, let, let's break it down a bit. And uh, one way you can do this is just think, what are the significant parts of this parable? So the first part, and I'll, I'll kind of move through these a little bit, is the sower. There's three, three very distinct parts of this parable. One is the sower. And in, this, under, in our understanding of this, God is the sower. And the sower, sower has a plan. Um, you know, I've, I'm sure with watching the last few weeks, just um, River, as she's getting older and starting to walk, as I'm hearing this. And I just remember back in our, you know, and those of you who have kids remember when your, your child is first starting to walk, you know, they stand up, take a few steps, and they fall down. You remember those days? I've never met a parent that when that happens at that stage, they look at their kid and they roll their eyes and say, what a, what a dumb kid. Really? What's wrong with you? Why can't you walk? I mean, come on, you can get this. What's, you know, no one thinks that way. Um, what do they do instead? It's like, come on, you were so close. Keep going. You can do this. Come on, and we're holding them. At least we do this for the first one. <laughs> By the third one, it's sit down. But it's like, come on, you can do this. And, and, and that's what we want. And we want them, because we know that this is significant. As, you know, it's part of their growth and development and Again, with the first one, you don't realize how much life is going to change uh, when they get mobile like that. But here's the thing. God, who is the sower, wants to see the seed take root and grow in your life. His intent is for you to grow and to develop, and this is what he wants to see happen. So that's the first part of one of the first um, character, if you will, within the parable. The second one is the seed. And the seed is the word of God, and the seed has a purpose. Now, when we say word, um, or the word of God, that could actually have a few different connotations. Uh, one is, we refer to it as the word of God as the Bible. In this context, it's not. It's not a written word, it's a spoken word. Um, in fact, it actually says, when they hear the word, this is the response. So he's talking about a spoken word here. And the seed we're talking about here is the message of the kingdom. Sometimes we think that this is about salvation. It is to an extent, but it's much broader than that. It's not just, do you believe in Jesus? It's talking about the kingdom of God and your willingness to submit to it. I'm going to talk more about that here in just a little bit. Here's the thing. The seed has no control over how it will be received. When the sower throws the seed, it lands where it lands, and the seed has no control over that. But when the seed is received and planted properly, it can take root and be fruitful. So lastly, then we have the soil. And the soil represents the heart of those who hear the word. When the heart is broken up and cultivated, the word can become deeply rooted. So 
while there are three parts of this parable, the sower, the seed, and the soil, um, overwhelmingly the focus is predominantly on just one of them, which is the soil. Um, now, it's important to note that there are not four different types of soil in this story. It's one soil, but there's other factors, there's other contexts, there's other circumstances that affect the soil. It's important to realize that. So the first condition that's described here is, is, um, is as a path, and the path represents a closed heart. Specifically, Jesus in his parable says, as he was, talk about the sower, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. In his, de- in his um, um, description of this, as he elaborates with the disciples, he says this, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes away and snatches what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Think about a path. If you're going hiking in the woods or in a trail or something like that, what is characteristic about a path? One is that there's any, all the vegetation things have been killed or they're no longer there. Um, it's, it's, and it's usually packed hard. The soil there is much more compressed. It's hard. And so what's, what happens then is um, seed can't penetrate it. And it's easily visible to birds and other animals who might want to eat seeds. So it, it falls prey pretty quickly to those who might want to eat it. Here's the thing. Throwing seed on a path is wasted seed. It's just wasted seed. It's, it's just as this, you might as well just throw it away because it's going to have about the same effect. The path is represented here as well by a lack of understanding. Jesus says when they, and they don't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. This is not someone struggling to understand a math problem. Oh, if I can only get this, I want to understand. I can't do this. And they're, they're trying hard. In this case, they don't, they don't understand because they don't want to. It's the religious leaders who are predisposed. I don't like this. I don't want to have anything to do with this. I don't accept this. They don't understand it, but it's one because of willful decision-making on their part. They're so certain they are right that they're willing to sacrifice people and relationships to prove it. The religious leaders were certain that Jesus was wrong and they were right and they would not accept the message of the kingdom. So that's the first, first condition, the path. The second one we see then is the, the rocky places and the rocky places represent a confused heart. <clears throat> In his description, Jesus said, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. And then in his discussion with these, the disciples later, he says, the one who received the seed that fell in the rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. Now, unlike the person represented in the path, the one we talked about just a second ago, the person represented by the rocky path actually understands and receives the message of the kingdom. They're just unwilling to embrace the life. How many of you um, in your over the years, you know, there have been times where you're searching for a cell phone carrier. You know, and you're calling, you know, Verizon and AT&T and all the other different ones out there. And, 
you know, you look at, wow, this one has a low, look at this, the monthly rate, you know, that's significant. You're all excited, like, wow, I'm, I'm going to pay less. And it's not only are you going to pay less, it's even faster. It's got more power. It's got more memory. It's got all these things. And wow, and it's going to be less. And this is fantastic. And I love it. This is great. And then they tell you, oh, yeah, you've got to sign a two-year contract. Oh, I don't want that. I want all the benefits. I don't want the commitment beyond that. It's like, wait, what? What What are you telling me? Life in the kingdom of God is not easy. People want God to fix their problems. For them, faith is about what God can do to make their life better. And since the message of the kingdom is about surrendering your life, they tend to fall away. They like the idea of a God working in their life. They like the idea of living in that kind of relationship. But when the rubber meets the road, it's like, yeah, that's not really what I want. I want something different. And they fall away. So that is the rocky path. The the third one then is the thorny soil. And the thorny soil is represented by a is represented represents, I'm sorry, the cluttered heart. In a description, Jesus says, Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. <clears throat> Notice here it says. It chokes the plants. The thorns choke the plants. The plant doesn't die. Its growth is stunted. The worries, um, the worries of this life and deceitfulness of wealth, I mean, again, are in Mark chapter 4, uh, where he's talking about this parable, he also adds this, and the desire for other things. And basically, this person is preoccupied with the things of life whether it's other interests, other passions, things that they want more than they wouldn't want to be part of the kingdom of God. Now, like the person represented by the rocky path, the person represented by the thorns also understands and receives the message of the kingdom. Unlike the person represented by the rocky path, however, the person who is with the thorns does not wither and die away. It just becomes unfruitful. Because of divided loyalties, the seed sown in thorny soil never reaches its full potential. Now, I'll pick on River again. You know, it's like the baby, again, who's falling down a few times, decides that, you know, I'm good. Walking's not necessary. I'm just going to, I can get where I want a little longer, but, you know, I'm just going to stay here like this. They've settled for something, even though they don't realize it, they've settled for something less than what they were created to do. And as parents, you know there will be some bumps along the way. You know that they're going to fall. You know they're going to skin their knees. You, you know that's going to happen. But you know it is also in their best interest to persevere in their attempts to walk. So it is with life in the kingdom of God. It's not always easy, but it's the life for which you and I were created. That's why we were created, and that's why God wants us in his kingdom. Sustainable spiritual growth requires an undivided heart. And then lastly, the good soil represents the cultivated heart. 
Still other seed fell on the good soil where it produced a crop. And in his uh, explanation, Jesus says, but the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces the crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. The heart is open and prepared as we participate with God's word in our lives. And this can only occur when we are willing to die to ourselves. Here's the thing. In only one of these paths, and that's the oil, or I'm sorry, the, the only one of these, only, and only one of these paths, the, um, it's the, the, the path path. <laughs> I was getting hung up on how to describe it. Thorns, rock, no, it was just the path. Only one of those is the rejection of the kingdom. I just don't want to think. All the other ones, the other two, the thorns and the rocks, um, they, there was an acceptance of the, they believed it, they understood it, they embraced it at least for a short period of time, but then either fell away or they just never really got to where they needed to be. Now, I suspect for most of us here today, the concern is not that we're the, 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 the hard and packed path. I think most of us here haven't rejected this. The fact that you're here suggests that you're at least open to the idea. But I think all of us should be concerned about the rocks and the thorns, those ideas, because all of us at certain times in our life get preoccupied with the affairs of life. That's sometimes that's just life. And sometimes, you know, we want God to answer a specific prayer. We want God to do certain things. And so there is a greater risk for us to fall victim to that paradigm, that mentality, than the others. Notice that in none of these examples is the soil bad. The soil is perfectly fine in all of them. It's the stuff around it that makes it unsuitable for the seed. So it is with us. So here's my takeaway for this parable. Living in the kingdom of God does not happen by accident. It requires intentionality on our part. And it's easy for the circumstances of life to distract us. So, as we reflect on this parable, some questions you might want to ask yourself this week. In your own quiet time, you may want to pull the the, the outline back out or pull the notes out and just reflect on these questions and how you would want to think about them. Which soil represents the condition of my heart today? Which one is true, reflective? And am I okay with that? Am I okay with it wherever that is? A third question might be, what area of my heart needs to be transformed by God? And another question might be, what would dying to myself mean for me? Would that require any changes or require anything different in my own life? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for, uh, again, this parable. And as, uh, Lord, we reflect on the different um, elements involved, it's, it's so easy to see ourselves in these situations. Lord, I know for me there's times where I get preoccupied by the circumstances of life and I know that you, I'm not, I'm not putting my hope and trust and faith in you like I should. And there's other times where I expect you to make me happy. 
Um, it's not about me serving you. It's about what I can get from you. And Lord, I know that's not right either. And but Father, when I'm able to um, be aware of these and, and actually restore you to your proper place on the throne of my life, it's when that happens, do I actually become what you want me to become? It's when the seed that you've planted in my life becomes what you desire it to be. It's when I find fulfillment. It's when I find joy. It's when I find satisfaction. And uh, so, Lord, I ask and pray that for all of us here today, that if there's things that are cluttering our life, if there's things that have choked our life and kept us from fully embracing life in your kingdom, Lord, give us the courage to acknowledge that and to deal with that. And Father, if need be, to change our behavior, to change our habits, to do something different, change our routines in a way that would allow you to become Lord and to, uh, uh, to remain Lord of our life. Uh, so God, help us. Lord, we, I think all of us here this morning recognize our need for you. Uh, we realize, Lord God, that... Uh, Although today we might be strong, tomorrow maybe not so much. And Lord, uh, although our vessels might be full today, we leak. And uh, Lord, uh, tomorrow, or we might need a refilling. So God, I ask and pray that you would continue to work in us. Lord, that we would be willing to allow you to do what you desire to do. And but Lord, the result of this is that we find our true purpose. We realize our true destiny. We become who you've designed us to become. What a great place to be. So Lord, help us to not be afraid of surrendering every area of our life to you and to be able to trust you for all things. It's in Jesus' name I pray.